Hi everyone, it's Charles here from the GHFC and today I'm going to be sharing with you yet another story in our series of 40 years on career stories. Uh, each one of course representing the career paths taken by my fellow students having completed their initial tertiary qualifications in quarry engineering way back in the early 1980s. Now it is important that I point out uh, again that these reflections simply serve as a point of reference for everyone, not just those in the engineering sector. To, to fully appreciate that although you may embark on a set career path in your late teens or early 20s, it does not have to be life defining. What is most important is the ability to take stock of where you're at, ask yourself, are you being fulfilled? then make adjustments to suit. That's exactly what these guys did, and as you'll see, life has worked out pretty well for them all. So we've heard from, from Andrew in Devon and, and Andy in Northumberland. We've heard from Bernie in North Wales and Charlie from Berkshire, uh, Chris from Cornwall, and recently Ian in Yorkshire. Well, today we're going to hear from Malcolm in Scotland, who for narration purposes you can imagine sounds similar to Sean Connery from 007 fame. Well, to put my time at DDQ into context, I need to step back a few years to my fifth year in school, 1975. It was a bad year, as I found a distraction that took me away from being interested in schoolwork, so I simply failed my exams. But then I went and did two years at college in Glasgow, which was a motorbike ride away from home, conducted in all weathers, to which, like Charlie, I managed to get an OND in mechanical and electrical engineering. Now, I'd been working in quarries during the summer holidays since I was 15. Uh, I'd been driving loading shovels, dump trucks, I'd been operating crushers, and, and I'd even been at a Weybridge uh, clerk. So a career in quarrying seemed to be the logical choice. My first full-time employer was Kings and Company, soon to become part of the massive Tarmac Group, who saw some promise in me for management, to which they sponsored me to go to this place called High Melton near Doncaster, which was abroad in a place called England. So, in my Kings & Co company van, I set off to cross the border at night, so no one would see me leaving Scotland. I arrived in High Melton in the dark, and met the rest of the class of 82, who all spoke funny, well, compared to me. The bonding of the group seemed to be instant, well, maybe with a few exceptions of those that just did not fit in. Now, the biggest change for me was moving away from Tennant's and McEwen's Scottish beers to stuff called Theakston's, Sam Smith's and Tetley's, and due to Steve Brett's excursions to the wilds of Derbyshire and Yorkshire, many other ales of the region. I do recall the average price paid was 40p or 60 Aussie cents a pint. And I remember someone within the group saying we had to learn to drink hard to keep up with the sales representatives who would try and drink us under the table to get us to sign on the dotted line. A good a reason as any, I suppose. 
And while the social interaction and the support within our group made the experience of High Melton most enjoyable and character building. Having to add that after three years of this, I never could go back to drinking Scottish beers. Now, I also managed to go to Leeds University to complete the degree course. Then it was off to work. My first appointment was an assistant quarry manager. However, within two years, I decided to become a drilling and blasting engineer with Rich's equipment, contracted to blow up massive quarry faces for other quarrying companies. My job description was to drill four to six inch diameter holes for the length of 50 meter high quarry faces with the aid of a Halco drill rig and a compressor, an inclinometer, a fishing rod, drain rods, a tape measure and a torch. High tech as you can tell. I then charged them up with high explosives and primers all topped off with ANFO, sealed off with 20 mil aggregate connecting the detonating cord to a series of detonators and then whooshka! What a thrill! I travelled all over Scotland and over the border blasting up to five quarry faces a week. I was then offered a quarry managed position with Tarmac, one of the top five uh, UK quarrying companies. I would be at home every night. So I moved onward and upward to bigger and busier quarries. I remember the first day I walked into my last quarry as the manager, there was a blast scheduled for that day. So as I walked up to the top of the quarry, there seemed to be a bit of a crisis ensuing. When I asked what was going on, I was told the shot firer had chest pains and, and thinks it's a heart attack. I decided it was just wind and we sat him on the step of the loading shovel, which took him down to the office. I finished the shot and fired it and all was well. When I got down to the office, I was told it was actually a heart attack and an ambulance had been called. Fortunately, the guy survived. Just as well, I didn't become a doctor. On my second week in this job, the company auditors came in and went through everything. Halfway through their audit, the inspector of quarries arrived only leaving after giving me three prohibition notices and five improvement notices. What a start. Now, I also had a suicide attempt by someone trying to jump off the quarry face, a depth of some 50 metres, having been shot at by locals with air guns. I kid you not. I also had to identify pieces of metal in the police cells that had been used as weapons in a gang-related fight one Saturday night. Again, I kid you not. Not to mention, I had to deal with an, with an attempted murder in the Weybridge. And I must admit, we didn't learn anything about these things at High Melton. Well, I lasted surprisingly in that job for five years. At which time I asked my employers to give me an opportunity to go into a commercial role, to which I was advised um, uh, it was not for me, uh, shades of Charlie's experience. Uh, so I left Tarmac and went to work with Parker Plant, selling crushing plant and asphalt plants. Parker's ended up with new owners and I didn't fit their profile as a salesman, so I moved to Clarmac Engineering in sales and installations, eventually being involved in a management buyout of Clarmac, to which we added a subsea fabrication workshop uh, and a paint shop to our operations. Uh, 
In short, we spent two years building the business, two years enjoying it, and then two years destroying it. The end result was me being called as a witness for the prosecution by the serious fraud squad. It didn't come to court as there was a change in circumstances of the fatal kind. Well, with regard to being a salesman, I didn't really take rejection well, so I didn't pursue a career in sales. In the case of managing people, I realised I had lost the parenting skills that the role required, so I no longer pursued a career in quarry management. However, I did realise that I had a passion for project management, as dealing with contractors was more to my skill set than dealing directly with employees. So for the last 12 years, uh, I returned to Tarmac as a project manager, installing crushing plants, asphalt plants, concrete plants, even putting a railway siding into a quarry and building two concrete plants inside a nuclear, nuclear facility. I thoroughly enjoyed this job as I was not only building something that you could see, but also leaving a legacy. How many of us can actually say that? I've been a member of the Institute of Quarrying since we uh, all joined at Doncaster, uh, having served as chairman of the Scottish branch and, and currently being a fellow of the Institute and council representative of the Institute of Quarrying for Scotland. I've now retired, well almost, uh, doing a little work with, uh, within the quarrying industry along with forestry, uh, gardening, property maintenance, pest control, part-time kennel maid and walking the hills with my dog. Life is good. Well, there you go. What a great story uh, that is from Malcolm over the last 40 years. Uh, once again, very varied, but he found his true path eventually, which is such wonderful news. So I hope you've had some insights and added value from Mal's story, along with our, our previous uh, six contributors. Uh, and always many, many thanks for taking the time to listen. Our next story um, will be from Paul in Oxfordshire and will follow shortly. And uh, as always, should you or someone you know be showing signs of anxiety, then please do contact the following organisations or at the very least visit their websites. Uh, the Black Dog Institute, Beyond the Blue, Gotcha for Life, Lifeline, uh, Sane Australia, are you okay or headspace? Until next time, stay mentally well. All the best, Charles at the GHFC.